helping people become more present and in their bodies and using their bodies for, for fun and joy. Getting people out of their head. We're on our devices and technology all day long, especially nowadays. And uh, giving them the gift of surfing is the most beautiful thing that I feel like I could give because, uh, yeah, being in the ocean of Maui in that warm water and um, paddling a surfboard around out there and seeing the joy on their face when they catch their own first wave is so epic. Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblett, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Her Drive Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Cindy Cramblett, and I'm super pumped for today's guest. Um, I just got back from Maui and was there for about two weeks shooting uh, a travel show, and when I was there, um, was shared information about this very special woman named Dustin Tester, who is the founder of Maui Surfer Girls, and I would just like to welcome you, Dustin, to the show. You're welcome. Well, everybody, um, to provide you a little bit of background on um, Dustin, uh, she's based in Maui um, and has quite an awesome bio. And Dustin, I think that I can't really give you, I can't tell your story like you can. So I'd love to kind of just start off with um, what did you create and um, uh, what was the genesis of your creation? Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to share the story. Um, well, my backstory is that I was uh, raised here on Maui. My dad was born and raised. And when I was seven years old, he taught me how to surf in Lahaina at Puamana Beach Park. And, uh, you know, through a tumultuous divorce, I went in between Maui, Arkansas, and San Luis Obispo, California. <laughs> so oh. I've been, yeah, culture shocked as a kid. But uh, I went to high school on Maui, and uh, then I ended up Go, ended up going to Prescott College and getting a degree in adventure education. Uh, oh. Yeah. I, I was actually trained to be an outward bound instructor and doing more kind of land-based adventures, taking kids into the wilderness setting and teaching them life skills. Uh, and then uh, I thought, you know, I grew up on Maui surfing. I would love to apply these skills to surfing because surfing, you know, empowered me and changed my life. And so I ended up, it's kind of a fun, long story, but uh, I, I was climbing in North Carolina, taking teenagers up multi-pitch climbs, and I had a pretty brutal uh, lead fall, broke my leg. Just oh, my about, God. Yeah, just about two weeks after I put my entire savings from my climbing career uh, towards Camp Oluwalu, uh, a place that I went to summer camp. And I, you know, I had the idea after I graduated from Prescott College to uh, start my surf camp uh, back on Maui. And so I fell and I had already reserved the cabins in June 2001. And this was September 2000. And so I was a little nervous that I could actually pull this business off uh, after breaking my leg. Um, and so, wow. yeah, I, I ended up getting workers' comp insurance. So I was able to kind of do the broken leg work without having to worry too much about finances, but it was definitely pretty tight. And I'd never done a business. I'm just kind of a surfer girl at heart. So I, 
I just took the big leap of faith uh, and and 18 teenage girls flew into Kahului Airport on, what was that, June 17th, 2001. Hmm. And my business was launched and uh, it was it was pretty scary. I was like, "Wow, I'm really this is really happening," um, and then it was history from there. We're we're 18 years in now. Wow! Well, congratulations. It's quite a legacy. Thank you. Well, I kind of want to dive back into kind of the earlier years. Um, so I did not realize that there is such a degree as adventure education. What what does that entail? What does that mean? I know. When I graduated <laughs> with that degree, my dad was like, "Did I just pay for a degree in camping?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, kind of, but not really. I mean, it is definitely a unique degree. Prescott College is a unique college in uh, northern Arizona. Uh, they've been around for a long time, but, you know, they're an experiential education college where, you know, they don't take tests. They don't, they, you know, it's very untraditional where we do portfolios and presentations and we have courses out in the wilderness setting with our professors. So super hands-on learning I have a bit of a learning disability, so it was really geared towards me because I couldn't sit in a ca- classroom setting. I mean, I could, but I wasn't really succeeding or enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if the, the degree was actually technically called therapeutic use of the wilderness, if you can believe that. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I did a three-year program in that, and uh, we would go out into like my first wilderness course was down the Grand Canyon, whitewater, ki- uh, whitewater rafting. Um, I did a 30 day backpacking trip in the mountains of Northern Arizona and Nevada. And so, yeah, it was pretty unique. It was, uh, it was fun to, to get these courses, but I I learned so much. And the the big learning was not only these hard skills of learning how to backpack, climb whitewater kayak, which they gave you, but my degree was more focused on personal development and psychology classes. So we learned how to facilitate groups, conflict resolution, um, you know, bridging the learning from these outdoor skills that push people's comfort zones and help them see that they can do more than they thought they could and just giving them life skills as well as these like fun outdoor education skills. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I want to, I want to see this, if this program still exists. It sounds great. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, what, what drew you to the outdoors? Like, were you, I mean, you were raised in Maui. I'm assuming you were raised as knowing how to surf and like what, how did you become such an outdoors type of person? Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty much a tomboy at heart. You know, I, I'm, I'm athletic. I love using my body and I, I, my dad, like I said, exposed me to surfing and he, um, he was very art outdoorsy. So I just kind of jumped on for the rides with my dad and, um, yeah, I just felt like using my body outside was such a thrill and, um, my, you know, I guess just my upbringing on Maui, like you said, really planted the seed for my passion for the outdoors and adventure. That's magnificent. So when you went to the mainland, um, did you find that there were different, like very uh, obvious cultural differences? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I felt like I was a bit of a chameleon growing up. Um, I, I love all kinds of activities. And I felt like I could adapt to all these different outdoor settings. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of adjusted to, to the back and forth between Arkansas and Maui. Yeah. I, I only have seven states left to go to. No, six. And Arkansas is one of them. Um, and I, I don't know anything about it. I mean, what's the terrain like there? 
Um, I was in southeastern Arkansas, a super small town called Crossed, Arkansas, and it was pretty deep in the woods. Uh, my grandfather took me fishing. So, you know, we did some fishing and three-wheeling. Uh, and, you know, so a, a majority of my adventures, honestly, I was drawn more to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. so, but it was fun still being out there in the, in the woods of Arkansas. Awesome. Well, so you graduated, you started working for Board Your Outward Bound. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I was doing okay. canoeing expeditions in Minnesota and the Boundary Waters. Okay. And I mean, not to dive too deep into your personal life, but you had mentioned that um, there was a divorce. Was it your divorce that you had to go through um, while you were starting this surfer camp? Or what was that timeline like? Actually, it was my parents' divorce when I was young. Oh. And so I was, I'm an only child and so that was kind of more of like a tough divorce, being an only child and going between three states from like third or second grade till I went to um, high school. And then, yeah, I did. I haven't been married. So, um, but yeah, I think that the divorce as a kid really affected me and it kind of triggered some um, depression and anxiety. Um, so yeah, as a young adult, when I turned 20, I had a really severe a clinical depression that took me out for a good year, year and a half. So, oh, yeah. And how did you, how did you eventually find your way out of that depression? Um, Prescott college really saved me. I feel like uh, I dropped out of my first college um, and I had a, you know, broken heart from a relationship and uh, was pretty spun out from that uh, breakup. And then, yeah, I, um, yeah, I came back to Maui and got put on different types of medicines. And uh, then I found Prescott College, which was so much more active for me. And using my body, I think, really popped me out of the depression and being more physically active. And yeah, so I was really lucky to find Prescott. It really helped me heal. And it also helped me get inspired to start Maui Surfer Girls. And that really um, got my momentum forward, like I was giving back, you know, and found a purpose in life. Yeah, that's what I found. Whenever I'm feeling kind of doom and gloom, yeah, like going, uh, rising out of myself, going beyond myself, helping others, yes. um, makes the issues that you know we tell ourselves and our I call it the itty bitty shitty committee that like just sits on the shoulder yeah. <laughs> and says all these things. I'm like, God, it really silences them and it shows you what you should be grateful for. And nope. um, you know, yeah, I I call it my inner critic. It's the same thing. That's a better. I like that better. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, I minored in, in creative writing because writing was also a tool for me to process my life. And um, just recently, it took about 10, 12 years to kind of write a memoir. And I talk mm. about that. It's a, my inner critic and I, it runs through the story of my life. And I feel like we all have a certain amplification of that in our own heads. And the louder it is, the harder it is to function. And so yeah, I totally relate to that. And yeah, giving back and working with people and getting out of your head really helps. Beautiful. Well, what's the title of your book, of your memoir? Yeah, it's called Ocean Phoenix. Oh, oh my gosh, that sounds beautiful. And where can it be found? Well, you know, I, I haven't published and uh, just oh. even talking about it, it makes me more motivated. It, it was more of a, a book that I've written to uh, heal. And, and now I'm kind of at the process of like, okay, I got to get it out there, but I'm trying to make that brave leap of faith to share it. So, Oh, you definitely should. I'm sure so many people yeah. could gain some wisdom from it. Thank you. Yeah. I'll definitely look into going forward with that soon. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, please let me know when you do. Yeah. Well, with Maui Surfer Girls, um, from my understanding, it's a it's a camp um, that's just for girls and women. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We do uh, teenage girl camps in the summer. We're now doing quarterly women's camps. And we also have a year-round surf school that operates um, all, all months. That's awesome. And when when did you first think that you would want to start a camp for women and girls? Um, I think it was, yeah, like I said, uh, Prescott College. I was drawn to like uh, that age group, teenage girls. I worked at an all-girls summer camp in North Carolina right before I fell. And yeah, it was so inspiring. It was like one of those traditional old school East Coast summer camps that, you know, 120 girls go to for five weeks of the summer and there's lakes and, you know, it was like so inspiring to see how they they did this. And so working two summers there, I was kind of taking notes like, well, I wouldn't definitely do something at that scale. Um, But I just loved how it was multi-generational and the administrators went to camp there and their kids went to camp there. So I was like, I got, I think Maui needs this. So came back and I, and now I'm actually almost my generational. Some of my teenage girls from the early two thousands just started having kids. So I'm, Oh, that's great. I know. I'm so stoked to have them at camp someday. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. What a legacy. So what is like most fulfilling about operating your camp? Um, I think what's most fulfilling about operating my camp is um, watching the transformation in just a week. You know, we have a one-week camp, a two-week camp, and for many years we did three weeks as well. So even in just two or three days at camp, you really see the girls kind of relax into their bodies, not be so self-conscious, and they start to connect with the other girls that are there and just get this sense of self-confidence that I – could see in a matter of, you know, six days. It's pretty profound to watch. And then I get these parent emails at the end of the camp, like my, my daughter has changed from your program. And so that, that just blows me away. How much. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, um, I've always been athletic and into trying alternative sports. I love free diving and ice climbing. And I think that there's, um, there's a shift that occurs when you do something physical and you overcome something that you you didn't think that you necessarily could and it makes you mentally stronger and capable to to be a bit more resilient and, and brave in other aspects of your life. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure these parents are like seeing that. Right, right. So I was given those skills and tools as a facilitator for, for Outward Bound School. That's where I really kind of saw that power because they really try to bridge those activities into their inner their everyday life back at home. And so they're saying like, yeah, if you push your comfort zone and you feel that resilience and that empowerment from the experiences that you have in the wilderness or like surf camp, um, that confidence can bleed over into their everyday life. And they start to feel like, yeah, I can tackle uh, problems back at home. And that's when it's really potent um, is when that happens, you know? Right. And you can implement probably certain behaviors into your daily rituals that that set you up for success exactly exactly give them tools for sure yeah well I'm curious um with your I know probably every day is a little bit different in your life but is there um, a certain ritual that you have each day or each week or month that kind of keeps you centered and focused on whatever it is that you want to direct your attention towards yeah you know my business is set up for you know Monday through Saturday we have two classes a day 8 a.m and 10 30 classes so 
Um, I did have a lot of structure, especially in the first 10 years of my business of working those classes. And what I found was connecting with tourists and these two hour classes really helped me uh, get out of my head and the business aspects of what I was doing behind the scenes. And it helped me stay in the moment as surfing always does. And um, so that kind of became my ritual. And then about 2012, I I just uh, really started to gain momentum with the surf school and had my instructors doing those classes. And I remember thinking, wow, I don't have that structure anymore. And so I started to focus on my book and writing. And yoga has always been a real grounding thing for me. I, I've been a Bikram yoga practitioner for ooh, maybe like 17 years. So I found that if I need to reset or refuel myself, Bikram has always been really grounding for me. Even though it's such a hot yoga practice, it's been really Oh, yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. I was talking about Bikram yesterday with one of my best friends, and he's a man and not a yoga uh, practice. Uh, he doesn't practice yoga. And the first yoga class he ever did was with me, and it was Bikram. And we were joking about the intensity of it and how, for me, like every time I go to Bikram, almost every time I'm like, I feel I needed to go to cleanse some stuff. Yeah. Um, out and it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy practice no it's sure not especially for me when I'm in the sun and sweating in the sun and working in the sun like I do it was mostly like when I was taking a break from teaching where I could really do it but yeah it is it's it is draining but then when you get out you're like oh you're like on fire yeah (laughs) totally um well if you're going to go back to yourself at a younger age and I ask everybody this yeah um, what age would it be or would it be several different periods in your life would you go back and what words of advice or phrase would you say to yourself? Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but the first thing that just came to mind was never, ever give up. As hard mm. as it gets, yeah, there were times where I wanted to throw in the towel Maui Surfer Girls, like especially in the first eight years of Maui Surfer Girls, it was just – you know, 9-11 hit, no parents were sending girls on airplanes, and we really uh, lost money that year. And then, you know, 2008, the economy crashed. So there has been a lot of, like, financial setbacks that I had, and even emotional ones, like just second-guessing my ability to pull this camp off. And um, so, yeah, I would definitely tell my 27 is when I started Mountain Surfer Girl. So my 27-year-old self, like, buckle in for the ride. Don't give up because <laughs> it's going to be up and down, but it's going to like, now I look back and I go, wow, I really, I'm so happy. I didn't give up. I have such a dream team helping me now. And just, I would say as a business person, just really surround yourself with good people. And, um, and even if you're weak at certain aspects of your business, you, you can eventually, I was blessed enough to be able to hire people to help me with the logistics and the day-to-day stuff that I'm kind of weak at. I'm more of the visionary and the teacher, but pulling off the behind the scenes details, it was, it's been really refreshing to have people better than me and not having the ego about it. Be like, yeah, you're better than me at that. Like, go for it. You know? Ooh, that's critical. Like how, how did you, did you wrestle with that? Was that a red, a roadblock for you at all? to silence your ego and and actually be grateful for those people who are better at those things? You know, I've been really blessed, luckily, Cynthia, to have like more, um, I'm not like a micromanager control freak boss. Like I feel real, like I I trust people maybe too much sometimes, but I really do let go. And 
Um, I mean, I, I, I've been lucky to have relationships in my life that have been consistent. So I do know them pretty well and trust them pretty well. Um, but yeah, no, I've been really um, humble with just being like, yeah, I, I suck at that. Like, go for it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I struggle with it a little bit, but I, I think as I get older, I'm learning to really accept and excel in the areas that I'm good at and, and be grateful for those who are like, they've got it covered. And- got it covered. Yeah. I think it's too yeah. just like knowing that who you're with and, and if you're with people that are like, Oh, I don't know, there's red flags. And yeah, I think I wouldn't be so trusting, but, but like I said, with the consistent relationships, you really get to know people over time and can see like, Oh yeah, they've got this. Like, thank God they're in my life to help me with this. So yeah. yeah, definitely. So, um, how did you, like, when did you hire your first employee? Was it like the first year, second year? And, and do you remember what it felt like to be like a job creator? Yeah. You know, I, uh, it was the first year of the business cause I couldn't run a summer camp without people. So, you know, I, hi- I had to hire four instructors. I think it was four, a cook, uh, an assistant to me. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I think I had at least six people working for me and, and yeah, it was definitely people I knew from college, from Prescott College, because I didn't want to, oh, there was a couple people that I met, two instructors that I had never met. So yeah, I remember thinking, whoo, I hope they're good. You just get their resume and you interview them and you trust that they're what they are on paper. And then the other people were people that I went to Prescott College with that I already knew. And what I learned was that I'd rather work with people that I already know. Um, so the majority of my hires now are you know, God, thank God they've been by my side for many, many, I have people that have worked for me 12 years now. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So they're like family. And what, what's both good and bad about that is that being a boss to people that you have these kind of emotional connections with over time where I just love them like they're my family. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to be a boss. You know, I have to be hard, hard on, like not hard on them, but I have to make business decisions that makes it more complicated. When of course, I know them so personally, but then at the same time, mm-hmm. I trust them so much that it's like, well, I'm when, when we have to cross that bridge, I just have to say, sorry, I'm, I'm boss Dustin right now, and not friend Dustin. And um, yeah, saying no has always been a challenge for me. So it's <laughs> even more of a challenge when you know the people and care about them. Oh, oh yeah, I'm so sure of it. Wow. Well, what is what is kind of um. A current, I'd like to talk about like a, what you're tooting your horn about yeah. and then also yeah. what might be a, a roadblock that you're facing right now. Oh, that's a good question um, because I, I don't like tooting my horn and I even have like a social media director that toots the horn for all of us and I don't have to be that. Um, she, she's been really awesome, Liz. Um, big, big props to Liz because she helped us get this article and go Hawaii um, and so, yeah, having a social media PR person is really nice. Um, but as far as like tooting my horn, if I really did do it myself. I would say um, I'm much proud of um, leading with my heart. Um, I feel like I'm a, everyone says, oh, you're the best boss. You know, that makes me feel really good. I think um, having my heart so open and loving has drawn amazing people and has brought the best best in people with my staff and even with the campers and the women that come to my program. I, I feel like it's a real loving program. And, um, and that, that's been really nice to see like everyone open their hearts and transform, uh, through, through my leadership skills of being really open like that. 
Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. And then uh, the challenges would say like growing it from this point, uh, my, my ultimate dream would be to buy land on Maui and, and build my own facility. And that way I can grow more camps because we're growing a lot right now. We went from one women's surf camp a year to four and now we're booked up through June. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, we're we're definitely starting to really have momentum with the women's camps and we're getting a lot of requests for like, what about guys? What about couples? What about kids? What about mother-daughter camps? Like I would love to do cancer survivor camps and autism camps and veteran camps. So there's so much potential to do specialty camps and I I'm renting this facility at Camp Oluwalu that is also very popular. So it's been hard to get all the dates that I want and also take that leap of faith to, to do more camps. They're really a lot of work. And so as much as I want to grow them, that it, I would need like a lot of support more than I have now to be able to keep up with it. So mm-hmm. My challenge is like, do I go for that? Do I like, well, I, I kind of have been asking an investor to help us with a piece of property here. Um, but really following through with that dream and taking a next leap of faith for growing the business a little more. That's phenomenal. Well, I think that's um, a pretty good challenge to have. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's nice to be at the point we are cause I can still uh, enjoy the fruits of my labors for the last 18 years and actually travel and not have to do the day in day out surf lessons and the management stuff. Like I'm, I'm actually a, a boss that gets to, work on the business instead of in the business, which is such a blessing. Right. You know, and now, now if I, if I take that leap of faith and it's like, okay, I'm back to the grindstone financially and you know, it takes on a new level that I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that, but I also want to grow it. So. Right. And I'm sure you know this, but, um, there's, it's important to grow and to keep growing as long as it stays true to your vision. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess when you're thinking about your legacy, um, do you, do you have a vision of, of what you want it to be? Uh, the legacy, uh, I think it would be just to have multi-generational camps that's never leave, you know, that are always a part of the Maui community and abroad that we're, we're reaching and t- changing lives from Maui to everywhere, like touching lives from all walks of life. And that, um, the programs exist on after I pass away. It's, I didn't have children. It's just, my baby. And yeah, I would hope that my baby continues to be a part of the community here. That's beautiful. Well, I have um, just a a few more kind of questions I like to ask everybody. Um, And I guess the first one is um, you're an American woman. Yeah. And um, so far on her drive, we've been interviewing, just sharing the interviews with women that are from America, but will soon be, uh, starting to branch out. And I'm curious, like, what does it mean for you to be an American woman? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, especially on a voting day today. <laughs> I know it's a very important day. It's a very important day, um, to be an American, um, and vote. Um, an American woman. Wow. I, well, for one, I feel like living in, you know, primarily on Maui all my life, I've been on this Maui bubble where, you know, I have, I have such a blessed, beautiful life every day. I pinch myself like, thank you, God. I have so much privilege. I get to teach people how to surf in the most beautiful place on the planet. Um, and, uh, 
I must have did something right in my past life to have so many blessings, and I, I try not to take them for, for granted. Um, and that's why I love to give so much because I feel like I've given this, I've been given this gift. So I have to share that gift. Um, and yeah, just being an American woman and having this type of freedom is very rare. And I hope that I, you know, really can value that gift and, and, and do the best that I can to share that with others. That's so beautiful. Well, um, uh, the other question I have is, I guess, more so Hawaii-related. Um, I've been uh, to Hawaii twice. The first one time was to Oahu, and then this most recent time to Maui. And I just there's just a different energy that seems to be present that isn't found every everywhere else in the United States and world. I'm just curious, like, can you define what the energy is, or do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you mean the Aloha spirit? Yeah, it's like it's a vibe, definitely. It is. It's a, it is. It's a great vibe, and um, you know, I've been so lucky to grow up here and experience that vibe, and taught that vibe from my dad, and my dad got that vibe from my grandpa. Um, living here, my grandpa moved here in the twenties, so being multi generational in Hawaii, I feel like it's passed down to me, and um, yeah, it's just the spirit of giving. Like I was just saying, like having the aloha means that you're giving and you're not taking. I've seen so many transplants, mm -hmm. businesses that move here from the mainland, and it's definitely a different mentality where it's like more cutthroat and selfish and just looking out for their own business instead of uh, really seeing how their business can get, um, benefit the community and being generous, you know, with, with abundance and with wealth here instead of being selfish. Um, it's so important that us, especially um, working with tourists um, mm -hmm. and sharing that gift with tourists. I, I hate my heart breaks when a tourist at my last time said, oh, my car just got broken into and I got everything oh. stolen. You know, that's rare. I rarely hear that. And it's only happened maybe once at a surf lesson, a car break in. But yeah, that breaks my heart because these tourists come to Hawaii to experience the aloha and that vibe. And when it goes against that vibe, I'm just like, oh, that's so not representative of who we are as a state and people here. I'm so sorry. So I definitely hope that my business can share the aloha with tourists and and they they need a dose of love and, and giving too, you know. Most certainly. Well, what kind of closing out this, this conversation, it's been so beautiful, but I, I just want to know if you could share like, what kind of overjoys you and, and what is it that you love most about what you're doing with Maui Surfer Girls? Uh, let's see. What I love most about what I'm doing is um, helping people become more present and in their bodies and using their bodies for, for fun and joy and getting people out of their head. We're on our devices and technology all day long, especially nowadays. And uh, giving them the gift of surfing is the most beautiful thing that I feel like I could give because, uh, yeah, being in the ocean of Maui in that warm water and um, paddling a surfboard around out there and seeing the joy on their face when they catch their first wave is so epic. Like, I, I feel like I tell people, I'm like, it's kind of like watching a baby take their first steps, you know, wow. and the joy <laughs> that people have on their face is like, I, I get goosebumps. I almost cry sometimes if you work with a student for two hours and like on the last, very last wave, they actually stand up and they're so overjoyed, you know? So it's like, oh my God, I gave them this amazing experience. So we both like, you know, 
can feel that that incredible exhilaration together as a teacher and a student. So I think that's the best part of my job. That's awesome. That's so magnificent. And have you like have you ever had a favorite student? <laughs> I know you're allowed to say that. Yeah, exactly. I know that's that's sometimes hard to have favorites. Um, yeah, you know, there's definitely standout students where I'm just like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of standout students. I, I can't even. I know that there's one recently that's um, this older couple from Arizona, actually near where Prescott is in Sedona. And they come out every year and they're in their seventies and they are chargers. Like they, they're actually on our promo video on our website saying, if I could do it, you could do it. We're like in our seventies almost. And, <laughs> and it's so inspiring. I mean, they've, they've come to us maybe four or five years and they save up all year long to take classes from us. And they're like our grandparents, you know, we just love them. So Bill and Patricia, hello. I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> you're <watching this. laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, um, thank you so much, Dustin, for taking the time to share your story. And I would just love to open up the floor if there's anything else that you'd like to share and uh, with the listeners before we, we call it a close. Yeah, I would just say um, – never give up, you know, and, uh, come to Maui and come surfing with us and, and, and do more than you think you can out in the ocean with us. We're happy to, to make your Hawaiian surf dreams come true out here at Maui Surfer Girls. Magnificent. Well, thank you so much. And everybody who's listening, you can find, um, more about Dustin and Maui Surfer Girls at MauiSurferGirls.com. uh, or on their Instagram, which is at the same address. And I will of course link everything in the show notes Thank you so much, Dustin. I appreciate your time, and you have a beautiful story. Oh, thank you, Cynthia, for featuring me. I really appreciate it. Aloha. You're welcome. welcome. Um, Cool. All right. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblett. If you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram, or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.